0: Hi everyone, Jonathan here, and before we get to today's episode, we wanted to offer an acknowledgement of the shocking but not surprising events that we've experienced this week. We recorded this episode a few days before the events at the Capitol Building in D.C. on January 6th, and we apologize if our tone feels out of place. Like so many of you, we are deeply angered by the actions of the insurrectionists and domestic terrorists at the Capitol, by the hostility and ineptitude of our president and other elected officials who have stoked these flames of white supremacy for years now, and especially by the gross injustice of the comparison between white rioters storming a government building and black protesters marching for their lives. For our listeners and loved ones who are hurting, we see you, we hear you, we hurt with you, we believe god does all those things with us too in our anger we must continue asking the hard important questions about not only our government and our elected officials but also of ourselves and our faith to my non-black kin how are we benefiting from and perpetuating the same systemic racism that caused and allowed wednesday's events are we willing to take responsibility for the change The small decisions and the big movements that it will take to repent and make the world right, just, and full of God's abundant love? Appropriately enough, today we talk about what God can do in our chaos. While we don't mention the events at the Capitol, I hope you can join Seth and I in praying for God to let justice roll down like waters, with plenty of chances for us to jump in and do the work. And now, here's the show. I'm Seth. And I'm Jonathan.
1: And welcome to No Experts Allowed. You know what we love? The Bible. You know what we don't love? When people use the Bible to scare or hurt others, instead of allowing it to transform them and their communities. So we're trying something different. Two Bible nerds hosting a podcast that
0: isn't about technical details, but is about two simple questions. What's
1: the story? And what's the point? One of us will prepare for the conversation. Let's call them the non-expert. The other will respond to the story as they hear it. We'll call them, and you, the storyteller. So we can show you that you don't need to be an expert to hear the Bible speak to our world. Join us. Let's tell a good story today. Seth, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Jonathan?
0: I'm doing all right. I know our listeners won't be able to tell, but you look stunning in your new haircut, I must say. Look very fresh, very clean. Fresh start to 2021, might I say?
1: It's much colder. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, timing wise, maybe not the greatest choice, but it looks great. I'm sure Patty's very happy about it, too.
1: Yeah, she is. That was the primary motivator for me to get a haircut.
0: Oh, man. Well, Seth, you and your fresh cut, I have a question for you. What would you do in this particular situation? Would you want to have to build your own house exclusively out of Lego or out of gingerbread house materials? (laughs) We're sticking with a little bit of
1: the the remnants of the holidays in this question. I'm going Lego. Yeah? Yeah, I, I both... Love Legos, just as as a kid and as an adult. And also, I think they're sturdier than gingerbread material. But also, I'm just not very good at gingerbread houses.
0: Yeah. I don't think my house would last very long in either situation, if I'm being totally honest. (laughs) My concern with Lego is that...
1: Is the time?
0: well, (laughs) (laughs) Well, the time, yes. But also... Like, what are you going to make your carpets out of? Or your floors? Are you just going to be walking on Legos the whole time? Because it's literally the worst part about having Lego around. Is is the floor. Although I don't know what a gingerbread floor would be like. Yeah. Neither option is very practical. But I think, for the sake of endurance, I'd have to go with Lego. Because either animals or me... (laughs) I I would eat the gingerbread house, making it very ineffective as a form of shelter. So I think I'd go with Lego as well. Good choice. Is there a room that you know you'd want to build out of Lego? I'd like
1: to build a library, but I I just want a library in general.
0: Hmm. I feel like that's doable. Would you have to make your books out of Lego too? (laughs) (laughs) That'd be really uncomfortable.
1: (laughs) They'd get stuck together.
0: like all the pages That's true. And, the, and the and then the books to, to each, each other, other exactly. too right <laughs> you can just do really high decorative shelves that are just
1: fake books made out of yeah. lego and then you can just do all your regular books wait apparently this is a thing that people who zoom a lot buy bookshelves like by the foot from companies and then put it behind them so it looks like they have what? full libraries just like random books behind them I think I have enough books and bookshelves to do that myself if I wanted, but... I think I do too. That's what... I'm disappointed. I don't want to move all my
0: furniture, though. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could just move my my camera, but no, nah, that's too simple. Ugh. Well, I think I think we need to move into the passage, but I appreciate you reflecting on this house construction. Uh, will you go ahead and read the
1: passage for I'm us? Sure. I'd love to. This is Genesis 1, verse 1 through 5 from The Message. First this, God created the heavens and earth. All you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird over the watery abyss. God spoke light and light appeared. God saw that light was good and separated light from dark. God named the light day. He named the dark night. It was evening, it was morning, day one. A short passage for us today, a classic one, too. Okay, why did you pick the message for this?
0: So, I always have to offer the caveat, because I think it's been beaten into me so many times, that the message is a paraphrase of the Bible, it's not a translation. Uh, It is working from the English to reframe to, again, paraphrase the text rather than translate it from any other languages. But as you said, this passage is a classic one. These are literally the first five verses of the Hebrew Bible, of the Christian scriptures as well. And because of that, they're kind of familiar. And honestly, as I went into this, I wanted to find as weird and as striking of a reading of this passage as possible. And I love the way that Eugene Peterson's paraphrase here Imagine some more descriptive imagery that it puts into its mm-hmm. language that's often kind of lost in what feels like a relatively stale translation that comes across early on too. So I wanted to see see things a little differently, change things up for our conversation. And as you're reading that translation, sorry, that paraphrase, what
1: stood out to you? I love his line, the earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. What, yeah. what it's usually the earth was formless and void that's it right? this is way Ooh. more colorful beautiful too yeah. yeah I like that a lot soup of nothingness so in Hebrew I, um, it's the soup of nothingness or the formless and void is tohu vavohu so it's kind of like a tongue twister so I, I kind of get some of that with this soup of nothingness yeah. that's cool
0: when, as you've learned that hebrew phrase before what is that what does that normally convey for you as you're reading this is it is it those kinds of images that like depths of
1: darkness nothingness yeah i think like with it being a tongue twister that's how i think about the word like it's kind of like it's all over the place right it's like your lips mm-hmm. when when you say it tahuvavahu it's like it's it's like a scattered mess almost I don't know if that's helpful. And I think this is on the time I had it. That term only occurs, I think, one other time somewhere in the Psalms in what's clearly a reference to the creation story. So it's kind of mm-hmm. difficult to, like, nail down exactly what it's getting at. Sure. We're going to have two occurrences of it.
0: And there are some really important language distinctions here, too, that come through as we consider the story of this text. Because you know as well as I do, that the creation narratives in Genesis are often looked to in modern day with unfair questions. They're, yeah. They are asked questions they were never written to answer about science, about historical details, about the origins of the world. And that's really not what these stories are, are crafted to teach us. They're much more so designed and stitched together to teach us about God, to paint a particular portrait about the God who is doing the creating, rather than the scientific or historical origins of that creation itself. Hmm. And so I'm I'm seeing in that 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 Hebrew that you brought up that I'm not going to try to pronounce, but these this language here, you know, there is there's something chaotic about what is present when God starts creating. I know, at least in my background, I've heard it taught that This passage occurs at the beginning of all time Mm -hmm. and god creates all that god creates out of nothing Mm -hmm. i don't think that's being conveyed by the scripture i think there is actually again an existence of something that's chaotic that is without order without a god over it and the message paraphrase gets at this but other translations like the common english bible highlight another distinction that sometimes happens that you can read into the text too We often have heard this passage started as in the beginning, but it also could be talking about at the beginning of God's creating rather than this blanket statement of all time. It's more so the statement of the beginning of God's activity or action or movement. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And you see a God who has this vision, right? Who can see into the inky blackness, the soup of nothingness. And can imagine and envision a beautiful creation coming forth out of that in the way that God organizes, in the way that God speaks and offers clarity hmm. where there is none. Hmm. So I, I appreciate that, that language distinction, too, because I think it gets at some of the ambiguity and the messiness of how this passage has been translated and taught, too. And I'm, I'm more compelled by the idea that this is about god bringing something beautiful something orderly something peace-filled out of that which was chaotic
1: out of the expanse of waters as we hear what do you think about the way eugene peterson just renders god spoke light Hmm.
0: yeah it's it's again pretty striking we're so used to and god said let there be light you know that's part of the pattern of this first creation narrative and to me this rendering kind of puts a twist on it that makes me think more of an artist at work Hmm. rather Hmm. than someone who's just an expert filer and organizer just putting (laughs) things in their proper place it's almost like god had a divine spark of a beautiful idea and just couldn't help but just let shout it out, and couldn't help bring that light into existence, in the midst of this soup of
1: nothingness. But what about you? That seems to have struck you as well. Oh, I, I just like how direct it is. Like I just think, like, let mm-hmm. there be light. It's, it's kind of clunky, if I can say it that way. But yeah. I just God spoke light, and he uses the exclamation point, which I like. Right? I feel like we don't get those <laughs> that often in the Bible. But I like how he uses it—just light, and then it's done, right?
0: Yeah, I think it is. I think it is so appropriate for us to think of the quirkiness, the specific ways of working of some sort of creative genius in this space, right? Like this, the world that is formless and void. Is God's blank canvas for constructing something new. Mm -hmm. There's the raw material there that God puts together and brings apart in new new ways and as we see later in the passage too, Actually joins with the created world in bringing forth more creation Mm -hmm. God speaks And you know the land and the water bring forth life themselves rather than God simply doing all the things by God's self God is in partnership with creation for the continuation of that, those creative acts, which is so beautiful and powerful to me. And there's there's this real sense of intention with all of that too, right? There's yeah. purpose. Yeah. You know. And the authors were clearly trying to construct something that conveyed that with the way that they kind of split up these days. So you could think of the, the six days of creation before God rested on the seventh day, could think of them as three days of forming and three days of filling you know here god separates the light from the darkness the next day the light from the darkness in the sky Hmm. the next day the light from the darkness down below or the land from the sea Hmm. down below then the next three days god provides kind of little (laughs) little (laughs) leaders for all of those spaces right the sun and the moon and eventually humanity too to kind of govern these spaces that god has designated and set apart and for me as a really strong type a there's like (laughs) there's something so beautiful about how meticulous how thoughtful and how beautiful this passage is and i especially appreciate the way that god is orchestrating all this through god's own word rather than through war and violence in comparison with some of the other creation stories of the day and i don't want to get into the details of those but if you're interested, for you listeners, check out the Enuma Elish. Just type it into Google. It's Enuma Elish to hear a contemporary creation story or origin story that portrays a really stark contrast to this. So is there anything anything from any of that that still stands out to you or anything in the passage that you want to
1: bring up as well, Seth? The, the only other thing I'll I'll add, and this is just like a another piece of translation that i really appreciate from this Mm -hmm. is that you the message just begins first this and you talked about how it's often in the beginning but there's no definite article on beginning in hebrew so you could you could translate like in Mm -hmm. a beginning at a beginning maybe which i think he's starting to get at so when we, yeah, it's almost just like the beginning of this
0: story. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, this is the first thing. First, first this. It.
1: I, I appreciate. Yeah, that me too. too. I think that's a, that's actually a, a better way of translating it. And I think it, it's also jarring, just like you talked about, to people who have heard this so often. Like just to begin mm-hmm. with, first this. It's like, oh, this is like, it's shocking to me immediately that I like have to refocus myself and read it anew, kind of, which is great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and again, there's there's so much here. Genesis 1 is so rich. Uh, and there's also something particularly meaningful with the way that God starts this process, too. And if I can transition to a conversation about what the point of this passage is, I was so interested to see this passage coming up in the lectionary right now. So we are approaching by the time this episode is released This past week, we will have celebrated the Epiphany of God, or the Epiphany of Christ, I should say, which is the celebration of the arrival of the Magi, the three kings, so to speak, as the song proclaims, (laughs) not just as folks who provide Christ with gifts, but who are the first to recognize him and dignify him as the ruler over all that he is born to be, (laughs) even though he's a toddler at the time. (laughs) Yeah. and there's this in in those acts. There's this recognition of a new way of being, right? There's a new order to the world. And for this passage to come in that season on a Sunday where we usually specifically talk about Christ's baptism, there's something new on the horizon. Like Christ's b- baptism is the kind of the gateway into his ministry, and. I'm wondering for us what our new thing might be right now, mm. What new beginning are we longing to experience? And not just a like, and not just a trite conversation about like, what do we hope happens in 2021, <laughs> but really sinking into the chaos that we're experiencing right now, our own soups of nothingness, mm. whatever mm. flavor they might be, and seeing what life, hope or order, we can find in the midst of it if if we can find any at all right now and so in our tradition Seth of putting each other on the spot I'm just curious for you as you were here just a few days into a new year we are reflecting on newness and beginningness and I'm wondering what stands out to you as a place where you hope God brings some order out of chaos either in your life personally or things that you're experiencing around you
1: sure at the time we that we're recording this just a couple days ago my dad was just a couple days ago my dad tested positive for covid19 which kind of feels like a chaotic moment for our family Mm. we're just not exactly sure of course what what's going to happen how it's going to go from here um, and we're, we're a couple days out from his diagnosis and he seems like he's feeling better, but I'm always just like a little bit, a little bit worried about like, he could, he could it get worse. What could happen from here? So that certainly right now just seems like something that's, that's chaotic. It has me and my brain feeling like a soup of nothingness. Like you said, like mm. kind of, yeah. it's like. I've been trying to kind of occupy myself, but in the back, it's like, well, I'm always thinking about him and like worried about what that's going to look like. Um, so as that unfolds, that's like one place where I'd love to see the chaos and the, the confusion lessen in my, in my own personal life. Mm. And certainly his, it's like certainly hoping for him to be better and for just all the confusion and chaos of the coronavirus to, to lessen a little bit. So sorry, that was kind of a lot. Mm. I feel like I unloaded on you. You asked me this question, I was that's just right. like, Okay, my dad has COVID. I, Boom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you you answered a an open question with an honest answer, which is what I was hoping for. And I, I appreciate that. And I've been thinking about and praying about your, your your dad specifically, but your family too, since you mentioned that the other day and and can imagine well, I don't know that I can imagine what that's like for you all right now it's it's ver- i know it's very different when the larger cultural narrative starts to starts to hit home uh, more specifically and directly pandemic feels different when it's in your family than it does when it's even when it's just in your community or in your neighborhood i think for me one of my responses these days is just to just to shut down so much you know and over the past few weeks with the holidays and a little bit of space away from work and wrapping up my unit of chaplaincy and everything. It's like the time to slow down, to use our word from our last episode, the time to linger a little bit more has just helped me realize the, the hurt and the stress and even at times like the guilt Mm -hmm. and other things that I'm carrying that I just haven't stopped and paid attention to. And I think I've been convincing myself that my own person has been something more put together than a soup of nothingness. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, and I think God, God has, has spoken otherwise to, you know, say that, you know, I'm not just a soup of nothingness. Uh, But, but I'm, I'm feeling a lot of that right now that my energy and my attention is pulled in so many different directions. And at the core of it, there's just a part of me that's, really hurting. Mm. Hurting for our communities that are still so divided. (laughs) Hurting for our communities that are still experiencing so much unprecedented grief and death and loss. Hurting for missed experiences and lost relationships and all those things. And I'm hopeful and prayerful that God can help me start seeing some form of life and hope in the midst of that i think i'm starting to but i don't know that i could really articulate what that looks like right now you want to talk about unloading <laughs> there you go
1: that's okay that was that was a faithful response to my unloading <laughs> i think it's particularly hard at the beginning like you talked about to try and put words to it and i think that's always my temptation it's like okay going me describe like this growth somehow yeah Mm -hmm. like if i can describe it i can make it real maybe Mm. Um, but like somehow i just have to sit with it maybe yeah like is there is there a portion in in our story between the nothingness and when god speaks light like what i don't know right what's happening there like that's it
0: yeah and, and i think to kind of Bring us towards a close. One of the other things that strikes me about this passage is that so often we isolate ourselves from the activity of God in this in this story, right? That we forget that elsewhere we are told to emulate God, to be like God. Hmm. Uh, Christ shows us what God is like most clearly, and so here in this particular situation, <laughs> to quote our question, uh, God, God looks at the chaos. Sees it, experiences it, knows it. And God's response, not necessarily to analyze it, to study it, but it's to be intimately connected with it. And it's to allow that connection to fuel unreal creative energy. God sees in the midst of this soup of nothingness, I can't get away from that phrase, and envisions all that we see around us the ultimate artistic masterpiece pulled out from the slop and the soup and the goop (laughs) and the inky blackness. And I'm wondering if that's an invitation for us too, to consider how our creativity, our joining in God's energetic expression of self can help us not escape the chaos but help draw life out of it because it's there. That was beautiful. I should write that down. (laughs) So besides building a house out of Lego or gingerbread house materials, are there any go-to
1: creative outlets that you enjoy? Man, that's a great question. I really enjoy writing, but I don't particularly enjoy writing for school. And Maybe you felt that too. Yeah. It's like a. Yeah. Right. It's different when someone tells you what to write about and you know that it'll be graded and you feel the pressure and it's due. Yeah. You know, in a day or that evening or mm-hmm. in an hour. That's different than just getting to just write. But I really enjoy just writing. And at, I also really enjoy editing. That's a weird thing about me. That's like its own creative outlet for me. Yeah. Sometimes I don't always like to create from nothing. Mhm. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it sounds similar. You know, not only doing something you love for a grade takes away the joy, I think doing something you love for for pay for a job <laughs> can also do some of that too. it's so one of my creative outlets is music and when I was working as a worship leader and you know, had to practice a certain amount every week and was leading in that capacity musically I found a lot of that joy being taken away. <laughs> and so uh, I, I just, I hope and I pray for both of us that we can we can explore those creative outlets, whatever they may be, uh, including this one, creating something like this that comes from our hearts and our passions and our interests. I hope that those can be avenues through the chaos that we might be experiencing these days.
1: I hope so too. Can we pray for that? Yeah, I'd love
0: to. Creator God, you see through the chaos where we, your children, are hurting. Help us to do the same as we discover and develop our own creative energy to pour back into the world you've so skillfully crafted for us. Mindful of the many names by which your children cry out to you from all over the world, I pray in the name of the carpenter from Nazareth, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. To our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and tune in for our next episode. Seth, what
1: story will we tell next week? Next week, we're talking about 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. It's Samuel's call story. But until then, leave us a review and find us on Twitter and Instagram to continue the conversation. Thanks for walking us through that story, Jonathan. Thanks for helping me tell it.